Welcome to the Alpha Human Podcast. I am your host, Lawrence Rosenberg, and today's guest is Dr. John Jaquish, inventor, scientist, and a research professor at Rushmore University and an expert in osteogenic loading and bone density who has been nominated for the National Medal of Science and who is fast becoming known as the Tony Stark of the health and fitness industry. Dr. Jaquish is the inventor of OsteoStrong, a pioneering bone density device that has reversed osteoporosis for over 30,000 people and has it's helped- It's actually hundreds of thousands of people now. <laughs> there there uh, you go, yeah, hundreds sure. of thousands of people and has helped many professional athletes become more powerful, more resilient and fracture resistant. He's also partnered up with Tony Robbins, a major advocate of the device and they have so far opened over 300 osteostrong clinics with many more to come. Now, as impressive as all that is, most actually know Dr. Jayquish due to the waves he is making in the world of fitness with his second invention, the revolutionary X3 bar, which uses a combination of resistance bands attached to a portable bar and platform that supports super high loads to build muscle three times faster than conventional weightlifting without the risk of joint injury. Dr. Jayquish, welcome to the show. I feel like you work in my office. That's just that beautiful. <laughs> uh, there you wow. go. Uh, yeah, thank you. you. You hit everything I could have thought of. Fantastic. Lawrence, Lawrence, thank you for having me. That's my pleasure. My, my pleasure, doctor. Um, so, uh, First off, um, I mean, there are so many inventors out there that have great ideas, um, devices, inventions, uh, machines that never get off the ground or go anywhere, uh, not even because of the efficacy of their invention, yet somehow you have managed to launch two incredibly successful products and commercialize them. What do you see as the biggest differentiator between yourself and most who don't realize your level of success? Two things I do. I love, I've never been asked this question. I love this question. <laughs> uh, so number one, and, and I, I was a practitioner of this and uh when i started spending some time with tony robbins and tony robbins became uh one of my partners <clears throat> i he put it to words better but so many people are, are fear-based decision makers <clears throat> like they have an idea and they say but what if it fails and i'm like who cares? Then at least I'll know that it doesn't work. Then I have no regrets. Mm. Right? And so he says, life is filled with people that go right to the edge and they won't jump in. And he said, this is like 99.9% .9 of the population. He said, I see people that come to my shows year after year. I recognize them. I never learn their names because there's tens of thousands of these people. Tony Robbins will get 30,000 people to show up to a conference. Yep. So 
he, he starts, they come so much that out of 30,000 people, he starts to recognize them. And sometimes he'll say, he'll just grab them out of the audience and he'll say, so, you know, what changes have you made over the last few years of your life? I, I've seen you at a few of the shows. And, and they go, well, I'm planning or I'm doing, you know, getting ready to, and there was never action. Right. Never action. You just have to do it. Like, it sounds cliche, you know, Nike, just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. except when it says just do it on a T-shirt, it, it's like nonsense. It, like, doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. But so many people actually have good ideas. And, and I, I know a dentist. Uh, he's a big X3 user, and he's uh, a good friend. And mm -hmm. he's told me about some dental tools that he's been thinking would be great for dentists because it would save a lot of time. And, you know, a billable appointment, time is money for a dentist. If you, can, if you can clean somebody's teeth in half the time, you making more money? Yes. So I try to encourage him. Now, I don't know a lot about dental tools, so I can't help him very much. It's not my background. But it's like if you don't, on your deathbed, you're going to sit there and go, why didn't I do that? Right? So, no question. right, right. You just have to. It's like everybody, all your friends, everybody needs to get out of the way and just let you do it. And, uh, and that's, that's what I did. But I, both inventions, people told me, don't do that. You know, when, when it was a medical device, and, and I mean, with the, very, with the rare exception of some very successful friends, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a good clue to me. And my father's a very successful guy. And he, he's always like, let's try it. Let's do it. Let's build a prototype. So uh, coincidentally, he, he uh, put the, the car on the moon. He's one of the guys who uh, designed and built the lunar rover. Really? So, uh, clearly a risk taker. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously his idea was just go for it. Right. <clears throat> and that's, that's why I did but like. When I said I was, <clears throat> I got a little allergy, sorry. No problem. Um, the, uh, when it came to the medical device, so many of my fraternity brothers would say, oh, you don't want to do that. Like the medical device industry, there's billions of dollars there. If it actually works, pharma companies will try and shut you down. Uh, which... It kind of happened. There, there is a, a medical establishment that's very difficult to break into. Okay. Uh, and, and it favors pharmaceutical type studies. So if you don't have their, the pharma prerequisites, mm -hmm. it's really hard to get recognized the way you'd like to be recognized. But other than that, I mean, yes, there's challenges in any industry. I'm sure if somebody wants to revolutionize the shoelace industry, that's probably a pain in the ass too. <laughs> so, right. Like all these industries are, you know, they're very productive. They want to make sure they don't have a lot of competitors. So that's just the nature of business. But so number one is you cannot hesitate. You just have to jump. You have to do it. And the second thing is you, when you, especially when you're going to be like a, a paradigm breaker, like something really, industry disruptive, which I've now done in two different industries. Right. Uh, 
You got to accept the fact that you're going to have a lot of arrows in your back. You're going to infuriate people. Number one, which I don't care about. Because the people I infuriate, they're really unintelligent. They're, <laughs> I don't care about that. You know, it's just like, it's like if a bird's mad at me. Like, I don't care. Uh, you know, like, I made a lot of noise. The bird's pissed off. It's screaming in the tree. Yeah, that's all these people are. So, like, number one, so you got to ignore that. But then the other thing is that, and this is the important part, you have to do enough background research that you can speak with absolute conviction. That you know when you're talking about the subjects that you talk about, that without a doubt, you really understand the subject, maybe one of the best in the world. So when it comes to compression of bone and bone adaptation, I'm one of those people. Okay. When it comes to crossing biomechanics into cellular adaptions, because most people that study biomechanics are physical therapists and chiropractors, right? Right. So they don't take a single class on adaption or adaptation, if you want to call it that. Uh, they don't study it. Whereas, you know, the sports physiologist is studying adaptation and maybe a little biomechanics. So understanding, like when it came to X3, understanding both those elements and how they really work together was, and, and I wanted to be, I didn't want to know the most out of either of those two subjects. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know the most about how those two subjects relate. And that, and that was X3. That was the revolutionary fitness product. And uh, so, so it's, 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 it's knowing the subject and being able to speak with absolute conviction and then just making the massive change to go. Yeah. Yeah, I know Tony Robbins talks, uh, you know, a lot about massive action and- uh, yeah, Sure, massive action. Right, massive action. So, uh, you know, clearly you've taken that, but what, what I haven't heard before um, from a lot of um, motivational gurus or, um, you know, those who speak on success uh, is, is something that you really do learn though as a, um, so I'm in the world of sales, I run sales teams and like one of the most important things in the world, if you're going to be able to uh, get your, uh, you know, get your point across, convince someone, uh, uh, evangelize to the degree that someone um, is on your side, mm. is product knowledge. You, you have to be just, you know, an inc incredibly steeped in what it is you're representing in order to create that kind of belief in someone else that what totally. you not. Here, like, like here's, here's, I'm gonna give you a sales example that I know. Okay. There's a, there's a guy I know who sells uh, big data migration. Mm -hmm. um, he's been doing this for years and uh, huge, you know, Fortune 50 type clients. Okay. So tens of millions of dollars contracts. And he started in engineering. So he goes in for an engineering consultation. So he doesn't do like the, the sales training or what they do. Uh, 
at the company at all. He's got his own method. Okay. Because he goes in there for an engineering consultation. He says, I'm just going to analyze like how much money we can save you or, or whatever. And they don't see him as a salesperson. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, they're, they, they're, they'll either offer him a job or they'll uh, just say, like, how do we get started? And he goes, oh, well, I have a draft contract right here. And I put your, <laughs> your company's name and address on it. Uh, it's for $20 million, though. And they're like, fine, you're going to save us 50 You know, they just sign it. Yeah, yeah, that's his method. Yeah, it's like, because he just knows the subject. So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful stuff. I love those two pieces of insight um, from you. Um, and you know what, look, you're, you know what, the other thing is, it, and what probably goes along with, with this and what you've said is um, actually not just knowing what you have uh, so well that you can explain it with absolute conviction. So being an expert in it, right, or close to an expert. Um, and, but, and you may even, you may even become an expert in like in something that nobody's an expert in. Like, because, like what I said with X3, mm -hmm. I don't know the most about biomechanics. I know a lot about biomechanics. Mm -hmm. I don't know the most about, about adaptation of human cells. I know a lot about adaptation of human cells, but as the two work together, I think I know the most about that. So, so you've got that. But then there's, there's another piece, which is um, not just believing it, but, but being it, right? Being it. And what I mean by that is you're the most jacked and muscular scientist most people have ever seen, okay? But that's bottom line. When you picture a scientist, you do not picture, you know, Dr. J. Quish, right? I mean, so clearly you practice what you preach, and so you can't trust somebody who doesn't. It's like, you know, don't trust a fat fitness guy. Don't trust a skinny chef. I mean, yeah, but so, <laughs> but how, you know what? I can't tell you many times I've seen, um, you know, fat people in the fitness industry. I mean, I, I funnily enough, my career began 25 years ago um, selling health club memberships for Jack LaLanne, right? Wow. The day. And I cannot tell you how many of the, of the management staff, when I started, were all out of shape and overweight. Right. So, but, but that's the thing. But you, um, so clearly, you represent this well, not just the knowledge base, but physically, you easily embody what it is you're preaching. So I'm curious, how, first and foremost, how long have you been training for? Well, let me start in the middle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I started X3, um, I started doing videos. Uh -huh. I was not in very good shape. Really? Well, I, I'm sure the, the non-exerciser would have said, okay, you obviously work out. But, I mean, nobody, like, stopped me at the grocery store and said, how did you get like that? Or, like, right. I mean, now people ask me for my autograph, and I'm like, who do you think I am? And they're like, they're like, are you an MMA fighter? They're like, I'm not sure who you are, but I know, you know, I know you're like, you know, you're a professional athlete. And I'm like, no, I'm a scientist. And they kind of look at me like, what? Um, so when starting X3, I was okay. I was like 190 pounds, 20% body fat. Okay. And how tall are you? Six foot. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. And now 
I'm 9% body fat at 240 pounds. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the product really works. Uh, it makes, it makes muscle growth. It, it's not easy. Like, you know, who Dr. Sean Baker is. Yeah, of course. I've had him on the show. Oh, great. 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 Yeah. So Dr. Baker says X3 workouts are the hardest thing he's ever done. And he's like a world record holder in the deadlift. Yep. World record holder in indoor rowing. Uh, so it's, it's really hard, uh, workout, but you do grow muscle quickly. So you went from, hold on. So you went from 190 to 240 at, in what, what time frame? Oh, uh, that was about three years. So for two years, I put on 45 pounds of muscle and lost 16 pounds of body fat. That was the, I mean, that transformations are always the most aggressive, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is, do you, I mean, and I'm old. And this all happened over 40 years old. Yeah, I was just going to say, usually, if you're going to see something like that, you see it in, you know, in a teenager who has the genetics, you know, they're, they're 16, they start, they start weightlifting, and they just blow up, and they eventually get into bodybuilding or, you know, some kind of thing like this. Yeah. Um, to hear about 45 pounds of muscle growth in your 40s after three years of training, that, I mean, that's impressive. Three years so, of that was two years. Two years of training. So, yeah. okay. So, but, all right. So now let's, let's start to understand how's that possible um, using the X3. So let's talk about what that's all about, what the science of it is, how it works. You know, again, the claims uh, that it's three times faster um, than weightlift. That sounds like it's a, even faster than that um, with the results that you've seen. So let's talk about how that's possible. So it has to do with looking at the variance and capability of the human body. Uh, so you know when you go to do a push-up, when your nose is really close to the ground, it's, it's the harder part of the push-up. And as yeah. your arms become straighter, it's the easier part of the push-up. Yeah. And in fact, you see like kids in high school cheat at push-ups and they only go down like a third of the way, right? Yes. Yeah, especially the chubby kids, because they might not be able to get up. Yeah. Um, it's sad. When yeah. I drive by, like, an elementary school now, it's like half of the kids are chubby. Uh, yeah. So um, when <laughs> – it's sad. I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, it's yeah, it's just, it's just the direction society is going. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that next. We time. will. We will. But yeah. Yeah. So – so when I was developing the osteogenic loading medical devices, what those devices do is isolate the most powerful range of motions. So where a human would normally absorb high impact forces. And so we isolate those positions and then allow them to self compress. So they create the force. So they create force in those positions and then it's red with a highly sensitive. So first of all, the position by a robotic arm, and then they are um, the performance is recorded mm -hmm. via computerized system and sensitive measurement devices. So uh, we capture exactly to the pound uh, pound per second they are creating force. Um, and this is with osteostrong. It's with osteostrong, right? And I realized when I, lo I, I looked at deconditioned, as in highly unathletic people, 
for those who don't know what decondition means. Highly unathletic people who had osteoporosis, who were test subjects in the clinical trial that um, I did in London. I was a hospital in London. And I'm looking at the loading and the doctors that are there, there was the principal investigator, the people who were really close to the program, and they had already asked all the good questions. But some of the casual observer physicians that were in the hospital would say, what do people do in the gym? Because we're seeing these little old ladies put five, six, seven hundred pounds through their hip joint in these, in these very, very select positions. You know, and they're moving like two millimeters. Okay. When, when, they, when they do the movement. So there's movement, not, not static, but they, they have these, and, and the movement is actually from the compression of bone. So the bone actually gets shorter. Okay. Like a femur does this, uh, compresses from end to end. And so, and so we're looking at what kind of loading is going, going through there. And the doctor's like, what do people lift in the gym on average? And I said, well, there's data on that. Let me get it for you. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at what the American College of Sports Medicine had published in a couple different journals. So they do analysis of the NNGS database. Right. Uh, I want to remember exactly what that acronym is. It's a long one. Uh, but like national health and nutrition or something like that. Um, and so what they look at is like, uh, they, they survey about a thousand people a year and a huge battery of tests and medical metrics that they take in. Mm-hmm. And so what they determined was looking at the NA's database that most people go between 1.3 and 1.53 multiples of their own body weight. Right. that they load through uh, through their hip joint. Okay. Where, where, so I'm just looking at the hip joint here because that's where there's the most data on, especially for bone, because uh, that's where the mortality-related fractures come oh. from. So, right, you can have a fragility fracture of your wrist, and it's very inconvenient. You shatter your hip, you have a, a, if you're over 50, you have a 50% likelihood of death within one year. Wow. Because of the complications, yeah. 50% chance of death after 50 if you have a hip fracture. That's unbelievable. 50's not that old. No. No, it's terrible. So, so, uh, so that's why we have so much data on it. So when, when I looked at the 1.3 to 1.53, and then I looked at what we were doing, we were doing seven, eight, nine times body weight. People were using nine times their body weight. So it makes what we do at the gym, mm-hmm. I mean, the strongest people, the strongest, I think it's like top 5% only use 1.53 times their body weight when they exercise their lower body. Wow. Compared to nine multiples of body weight, which was what the top third of the osteogenic loading crowd was doing. So I just said to myself, weightlifting is a waste of time. Like using the same weight in a weaker range and a stronger range is just nonsense. Like it's a complete misread of how the body works. Now, yes, functionally, the things we pick up are one weight. You know, if you have a suitcase to pick up, it doesn't get 
you know, heavier when you get into stronger ranges, but we don't carry suitcases for fitness. We carry them because we have to. What about fitness? What would be the best? And so I determined that we need the, the factor, we need, we need it to match what the research has shown, or at least come close to it. Mm-hmm. So we have X at the bottom in the weaker range. We should have seven X at the top, but you know, we go X to five X or five and a half X. That's still absolutely hell of a lot better. And is that the amount, uh, when you say, you know, 7X, are you talking about the amount of force or are you talking about the weight itself? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. The amount of force placed on the body. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Yeah. Okay. So, so we need massive variance. So then I thought, okay, you know, maybe I can just write a book about band training because that's variable resistance. And you can get to some high levels of variance. But the problem was bands have been used in rehab for a long time. But that's because you're using small joints, small movements, very targeted. Once you get the banding heavy enough to be relevant for strength, Mm -hmm. then this starts to happen. You start to twist joints. Right. You know, if, you, if you stand on a band and try to do a deadlift, you're twisting your ankles inward. And, you know, let's say you're using a couple hundred pounds, you could break an ankle. So that was not – most people would have a neural inhibition. Like their body would just shut off before they actually create a fracture. Right. But uh, it was just a worthless endeavor. It was terrible. So um, – I just decided, okay, band training is not it. Uh, we got to have something else. And also, I can't find bands that are even remotely heavy enough. So because now that I know that we're actually seven times stronger than we think we are, I mean, everybody. Everybody is seven times stronger than they think they are if, if their strength is gauged by what they do in the gym. So what we need to do is – Fine. Now, of course, we are using multiple reps, like one, one repetition maximums are not good for muscle growth in any way whatsoever. They're great for neurological system. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and coincidentally, you know, you, you do multiple repetition schemes and that's great for the neurological system too. So nobody needs to do a one rep maximum. Rep maximum. So I wanted to pick a weight where it was – very easy on the joints in the weaker range of motion to avoid injury and incredibly heavy, heavier than we ever train with heavier than we'd ever be able to get into position right in the stronger range. And because of our variable capacity, we might be able to train with 20 or even 40 repetitions with that kind of load, which brings us to a very deep level of fatigue. And that depth of fatigue, the extremeness of the fatigue, is why so much growth is triggered. Because it's far beyond what you could ever do with a weight. It makes, it makes fatigue with weight training look like a joke. And that's why Dr. Baker says it's the hardest workout ever. Right, 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 right. So, 
Well, okay, so that opens up all kinds of doors. But the first one is, um, how is it that, um, especially with your OsteoStrong device, putting that kind of force, right, that kind of compression on, on the bone, um, so why are we capable of having that kind of force um, and the bone doesn't snap? Neural inhibition is the answer to that question. So can you explain? I understand what neural inhibition is, but yeah. for those who are listening who don't, who don't understand. When you're uncomfortable and you're maybe closer to creating an injury, yes. your, your central nervous system will shut your muscles off or whatever movement pattern off so that uh, you avoid injury. Let, you know, let's say you're sprinting and your hamstring tightens up. Mm -hmm. Immediately you slow down. Not just because of the hamstring, but because you start losing your balance. And balance has a relationship with how much muscle is allowed to be switched on. So that's neural inhibitory. All of a sudden muscles start to shut off and slow down. So, like, when I was playing rugby and uh, I, you know, would go up against some Samoan guy who was just built to hit people. Right. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't knock him down. All I would do is just shove him real hard and get him off balance because he'd lose his speed. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of my guys would come in and, and take him down. So, so that, you know, that was a neural inhibitory process. I, I learned that term when I was playing rugby. To, to, you know, just to better understand, like, wh why is it that when I just get somebody off balance, they can't run? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so, all right. So 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 I get. So if they're, so if they're, so it's it's kind of like the governor, right? That that you know mm -hmm. prohibits stops you well before you're at your limit. Yep. Um. And so our limit is so our so our true strength is so much more than we ever get an opportunity to um, to perform or to realize because of that. So how so how, so now how how does working with these bands and with the X3 bar allow you to kind of get that that advantage without neural inhibition? So when, where neural inhibition happens right. in a weightlifting type movement is in the weaker range because that's where people injure. People don't injure in the strong range. You don't tear your tricep in the strong range. You tear it when, you know, your, your back. Right. When the tricep is in a stretched position, right? Yep. So when you're using X3 – the weight drops way off. So like when I do a chest press, at the top I'm holding 540 pounds. As I move down to the middle of the repetition, I'm holding 300 pounds. Right. When I get to the weaker range, I'm holding 100 pounds. Well, that's less weight than I would use in a push-up. Right. So am I going to injure with 100 pounds? No. But check this out we do part of the protocol is you use diminishing range so you always keep tension on the muscle okay and then you diminish the range as you use the product so 
So once I cannot get to 540 pounds anymore, once I have exhausted the fully engaged position of the musculature, mm -hmm. I can't get there anymore. So now I just start doing reps going halfway. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, there might be eight inch reps instead of, or nine inch, nine, 10, uh, instead of the full extension. And I do however many of those I can do until I can no longer get to that range of motion. And then my last three or four repetitions are just using the 100 pounds. I've exhausted the, the muscle completely. You cannot do this with a weight. Right. I mean, even if you, you know, rack the weight and, you know, take some of the weight off and do like a drop set or something like that. Coincidentally, drop sets don't do anything. There's research on it. Yeah. Just because – and it's because you're – you're losing the hypoxic effect and you're starting to recover the muscle in between the sets. Mm -hmm. So it's like, turn the muscle on, turn the muscle off, turn the muscle on, turn the muscle off. Is that an intense experience for the central nervous system? No, it's just confusing the central nervous system. So it doesn't do anything. So you, you, you might be the most hated guy in uh, fitness <laughs> given, given yeah. all the myths. Um, and, no, but, and I, I have a YouTube show, which I'm rebooting, uh, really soon called the falsehoods of fitness. I saw um, a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's clowns out there who made a whole career out of saying, you know, this is how you train just the outside of the tricep. That's or, right. Or, uh, you know, the outer head of the, of the bicep, just this part right here. No such thing. You can't do that. Nobody can do that. Anybody that has a different shape muscle than another guy, it's like a fingerprint. You were born with it. You can make it bigger or you can sit on the couch and make it small. Like you can't change the shape. So guys that try and sell protocols for a hundred different variations of exercises are just selling a program. They probably think they're doing the right thing because what happens is somebody with like really, really tall peaks on their biceps, you know, mm -hmm. right here. Like, it's like, okay, they have tall peaks. So now they're an expert on the subject. Right. You, know, you were born with tall peaks and you're an expert of nothing. So I, and I can demonstrate that in research. It's, it's pretty clear. You cannot reshape the body. So hold on, hold on. So, all right. Um, so you can't isolate specific aspects um, of the musculature. Um, you, can't, you, you can't isolate one of the heads of the tricep. Drop sets are bullshit. Um, hold on. What about progressive resistance? Does that build muscle? <sighs> well, I mean, yes, but I hate the term because why? Progressive resistance is not a strategy, it's a result. Progressive resistance means you're getting stronger, right? Because you're using a little bit more resistance right. okay. every time. And the idea is you're using incremental more, more resistance. It's, it's like it's – people say it automatically because they just heard it. That's correct. But it's really a totally stupid term. That's like saying, you know, what are you you're asking somebody, what do they do for a living? Uh, I cash checks. Really? So you don't have to go to a job to get a paycheck? You just cash checks, huh? So progressive resistance is a result. 
It is not a strategy. It is not something you do. It's almost as dumb as my strategy is getting stronger. That's how I work out. People will just look at you like, what? So how do you do that? Oh, I just get stronger. Okay, so, so you're a moron. So what about- <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. This is amazing. Wait, wait, wait. So, okay. So what about forced reps? Does forced reps work? Yes. Forced reps work. I wouldn't do it with X3 because X3 does it automatically. Okay. Uh, but forced reps are another approach, a, a, a very non-efficient approach to variable resistance. So it's helping okay. you do some of the harder parts of the movement in the weaker range of motion so you can get more fatigue in the stronger range of motion. Um, yeah, yeah, the problem is if somebody isn't helping you and you need help through the weaker range of motion, that's where you tear your pec or you tear a tricep or, or worse. You know, like if you're doing a lower body movement, you could screw up your ability to walk for the rest of your life. So, I mean, it's not something I would, I don't lift weights anymore. I think lifting weights is just a worthless endeavor. I would never do it uh, because, because of all the limitations I just explained. Okay, so, so weightlifting is, is absolutely worthless. And, and, and alongside that, of course, same goes for the machines, right? So whether it's free weights, free weights or machines, waste of time. Uh, I especially dislike machines because, and, and people have known this uh, just through experience. Like you go into an NFL training room mm -hmm. and you don't see any machines. It's just racks. Right. Racking weights. That's it. Like nothing, no leg sled, no nothing. And uh, there, there was a study a few years ago, and this was actually a reference in my growth hormone study. Uh, it was done in 2016, uh, where we look at um, what it takes to trigger growth hormone. And they compared a free weight squat to uh, a leg sled type, type leg press device. And even though the people using the leg sled used over two times the amount of weight, right? they looked at the growth hormone that was created by the exercise. So the exercisers who had, who, the exercisers who use the, the squats, mm -hmm. they increase their growth hormone by 600%. That's a lot. It's huge. Yeah. And even, so the, the, the leg slide guys use double the amount of weight. What do you think their percentage increase was? No idea. Zero percent. Really? It's like they didn't work out at all. Now, growth hormone is not the full story to the growth of the human body, but it's pretty important for metabolic function. It's one of the more powerful anti-catabolic hormones. Uh, also, it should, it, like when you're an adult, it shouldn't be called human growth hormone, it should be called human repair hormone, because it repairs a lot of stuff. So, you know, when somebody says growth hormone's not anabolic, like there's, there's some nutrition guy that always says that, because his nutrition program is very um, cortisol heavy. Let's just call it that. Uh, and basically, he tells people they can get fit and eating candy bars. Uh, so yeah, smart guy. Just kidding. Um, 
So I won't name names though. So, uh, right. So he's like, growth hormone doesn't matter because it's not anabolic. And like, wow, that is such a misread of how that works, but okay. Uh, so we want the maximum amount of growth hormones. So we want self-stabilized type motions. Now X3 works even better in that regard than free weights because we're like the only thing that can attenuate a different level of growth hormone is the weight used. Okay. Well, the weight you use with X3 is far higher than any weight you could ever lift anywhere with more repetitions because the weight climbs when your capability climbs. The more capability, the more weight comes on you. So I was just doing one-legged squats with uh, 350 pounds on each leg. And like, I know I can, I, my, my legs are, you know, they're feeling it right now. This was, this was about an hour before, before uh, we started this podcast, but oh, it's just such a better stimulus. It's awesome. And I'm on one leg, so I have even more stabilization firing and even more growth hormone. Okay, so speaking about then your training, your actual training with uh, X3, how long, how long do you train for? Like, what's the protocol? Um, how much time do you spend? Uh, this, is, this is another thing people really hate me for. And I don't blame them for this because a lot of scammy products say you can get a workout done in a hurry. Yeah. So I, I work out, I say 10 minutes. Most people can get it done in 10 minutes. I've gotten to the point where I'm so big that each muscle, like in the beginning it was 10 minutes. Okay. And now like my quadriceps, my glutes are so huge. They draw so much blood that it takes me a while to catch my breath between sets. You know, the, the bigger someone is, it kind of creates the illusion that they have poor cardiovascular health. It's not true. It's just they have so much blood drawn into each large muscle mm -hmm. that they're gasping for air. It doesn't mean they don't have cardiovascular endurance. They have better cardiovascular endurance than people who are running every day. But it, it is manifest in a different way because the engine that they're using to drive their body or the engines, I look at each muscle as a separate engine, uh -huh. are huge. So like you see a 14 year old do bicep curls, they're not out of breath. They can go as hard as they can, put the weights down and they take one breath and they're, they're ready to do the next thing. Whereas for me, like it takes me probably 45 seconds to catch my breath after a bicep curl. So hold on. So, so what would it, what would, what would a workout, let's put leg day aside. Um, so what would a typical workout with the X3 bar look like on, you know, a certain day? What, what, what movements would you, would you do and how long would it take for the total workout? Then if it's not 10 minutes, what is it now? It's like 15. Okay. Minutes, and it's four sets. You do one set per exercise. You can't do more than that. It's so exhausting. One set per exercise. Right. And so is it so let's say chest. So chest is one movement, one exercise. We go a little higher reps too. So it okay. could be, you know, 30 repetitions, 20 repetitions, something like that. 
And then what's the, what's the next exercise you do after, ch after chest? Overhead press. Okay. Bicep press. Okay. And then I'll do squats. That's all in the same workout. Yep. And that's 15 minutes. Yeah. The entire workout. Yeah. <laughs> After the squats, I'm usually like, I got, I have to sit down for five minutes and just breathe because it's very exhausting. So this is, okay. So a couple of things. Yeah. So of course, you know, the entire fitness industry will, you know, will absolutely um, just deny that that is, that that is possible. Um, right. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you put, you, you would put oh, the, everybody that sells equipment. I'm sure that half of my trolls go and work They're They're working for uh, you know, a big fitness manufacturer. You put, I mean, you, you, I mean, if, you know, this concept, this idea, this, um, this fact just puts the entire fitness industry out of business. Um, just right. So, so hold on a second. Um, I don't, you know, you're like Tony Stark, but you're like, like you're like a radical, like within the fitness, the fitness industry. So, but here's the thing, which really, you reminded me of something because you, you talk about this one set to the point of such failure that you can't even stand up. Um, yeah. That reminds me of Mike Menser um, and his heavy duty style of training. He was talking about back in the day, um, what are you, are you familiar with Mike Menser? Are you familiar with that? That's that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I wish I had met the guy. Wow. In his last book, he actually said something about how it's a shame that certain parts of movements are so much easier than others. Cause maybe we could change how we load the body and get an even better experience. And it was like, I read that and well, that was before I developed anything uh -huh. and either my inventions. And I was like, yeah, like, so this guy saw the future. It's I think he wrote that book and died like maybe six months later. Yeah. Uh, it's tra a tragic ending. Uh, his life, you know, um, yeah, he fell into, uh, um, drugs and, you know, depression. It was, you know, so, and then his brother died, like, I think a couple of weeks later, Ray Menser. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so the, so the one set to absolute failure is not just, I mean, that's, that's the, that is then the most, if you were able to do it, um, truly exhaust those muscles beyond anything that weights could do. Yeah. So I use an analogy that even a bodybuilder can understand. Uh, because you know, a lot of them don't have a scientific background. It's almost unfair when I give a scientific reference mm -hmm. to a guy who just follows bodybuilding because he's like, what is all this like last names and a year and some abbreviations? <laughs> like it's an academic reference, right? you know, from like school. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't, they don't know what that is. Right. Like, you know, peer reviewed journal, ever heard of one? No, they don't. And, and why would they? You know, I mean, some of these guys are, yeah, they, they might be professionals, but they're not crossing into anything, any industry that they'd have to read accurate references. So, you know, um, I also, 
I think it's really funny that uh, bodybuilding and fitness, they, um, the majority of the content is on YouTube. And I'm pretty sure it's because the majority of the fans are borderline illiterate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they don't want something written. They'd rather have a video. Really? Because I'd always rather have something written so I can look at the data. Right. Yeah, a goddamn video. If somebody sends me a video about data, I'm like, give me an article. Give me a scientific reference. Anyway, so um, what was the question? I got this guy thinking about these illiterate. We were talking about um, how just one set to absolute failure and you were going to make, bring up a reference. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I say that when people are like, you can't get a workout from one set. I say, how many sets do you need to do in the sun to get a suntan? Yeah. And that, you know, they look at me like, well, you only have to go out once. Right. So if you want cells of the body to change, you just have to give them one stimulus. Now, they wouldn't know this, but bone is the same thing. One tremendous load exposure to bone, and it starts changing immediately. Within five minutes, you can test somebody's blood, and you can see the pieces of broken down bone that have been sacrificed to make room for growth for new bone. New, more dense bone, more powerful bone. Yeah, I mean, within five minutes of one load exposure, that might last a tenth of a second. So this was the discovery that you made with respect to osteostrong. So, so that was actually going to be my, um, uh, one of my questions, which is how, how does that, how does osteostrong, how does that equipment that, that you uh, invented, how does it actually increase bone density? And so now you're, you're, that's how. Compression of bone. We're, so when, what happened was my mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. This is how I got into all of this. Okay. And she was in her 70s, and she, was, she played tennis, and she uh, gardened and went hiking. She'd go on really big hikes. Uh -huh. And, uh, I mean, we're talking like 10-mile hikes. So she was not deconditioned, but she still had osteoporosis. And so she says, like, oh, I, you know, I don't understand how I got this. I tell you, you need to be active. I'm active. And so I said, let me, let me look into this. Because, I, like, she read the, the side effects of some of the drugs. Mm -hmm. And she was in tears. She's like, I don't want to take this. This sounds worse than a fracture. So I said, let, let, me, let me look into it. And, I, and then as I started reading, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and see if there's a group of outliers out there. A group of people that have built incredible amount, an incredible amount of bone. Mm -hmm. Highest bone density in the world. I'm going to see how they did it, and I'm going to see what they did so maybe we can replicate it for you. Okay. And uh, it was one of the easiest things to find because this population has, they studied the hell out of it. And uh, I think, well, I don't think I know because I've talked to the top minds in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know, I, I got invited to speak uh, four times in a row at the World Congress on Osteoporosis and all the top researchers there. And so 
when when they when I told them about this population of people with superhuman bone, they would just interrupt me. They're like, "Oh, you mean gymnasts?" That's right, gymnasts. Yeah, and they and they shake their heads. They're like, "We've been trying to isolate the growth factors that the gymnasts secrete to create more growth in bone for a long time. That's been that's been part of the pharmacological approach." And of course. I'm just solving the problem with a flamethrower because <laughs> I'm just forcing the body to do what happens in the gymnast by compressing the bone physically, mechanically. So, you know, there, there's no drug needed. Just do what the gymnast does, except with my device, what I did was I wanted to get the benefits of the high impact loading without the risks. So you isolate those positions with the robotics and then you allow people to, in a careful and controlled manner, using neural inhibition, because if they slam into something, they're, they're, they're not, there's no neural inhibition. It's just an abrupt experience. It's impact. We're looking to emulate impact, not engage impact. So in that slow and controlled manner, they can get that experience of high impact loading without the risks and they grow just as fast as the gymnast does. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And eat, women in their nineties will grow bone density like faster than teens. That is, and how, how often would they have to do osteo strong, uh, an osteo strong workout? Um, the metabolic rate of bone is different than the metabolic rate of muscle than the metabolic rate of, the cardiovascular system. So uh, you don't want to do it more than once a week. Gotcha. So just one massive load exposure per week. Uh, that was a little like Mike Mentzer too. Uh, but, you know, for muscle, muscle is, bone is a throttle to muscle growth. So the higher the bone density you have, the more muscle you're allowed to hold in your body for obvious reasons. You know, you don't want the engine to be more powerful than the chassis. You know, it's like putting a Formula One engine in a, in a Prius and just tear the wheels right off the car. Right. Yeah, the central nervous system won't let you do that. So, uh, so everything's very balanced. But you make bone density more powerful, uh, which X3 will do a little bit, but OsteoStrong does a lot. And uh, then you can end up holding more musculature. So do you personally um, use both? Do you... Yes. So that you can continue. That's yeah, I, I don't get to use OsteoStrong as much as I'd like to. Okay. Probably once every other month now. Okay. So once a week, uh, just because you know, I'm in an apartment in San Francisco, it's a $100,000 medical device. It's the size of a car. So I'm not going to put one here. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, and then uh, I don't have one in my office, but, I'll, uh, whenever I go and visit an OsteoStrong location, I definitely use it. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely revolutionary, you know, especially considering the elderly population uh, yeah. and the, the absolute um, plague that uh, osteoporosis, people don't, I mean, you know, people don't realize how dangerous. Fractured and as many lives as breast cancer. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Right. It's the complication that somebody has a hip fracture and then six months later, because they've been in bed and they haven't been able to move around, they start to build fluid in the lungs 
and then uh, they get pneumonia and then they die of pneumonia. So for some reason that doesn't sound as ominous as breast cancer does. Yeah. It, it, yeah. People but don't, they, yeah, they just don't. Death is death. I mean, I didn't, you know, the statistic you mentioned uh, before, I didn't, I haven't heard, I haven't heard that. That's like shocking about uh, if you have a hip chance of death after 50 years old from a hip fracture. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, absolutely crazy. So, um, so you mentioned the, uh, the idiot whose uh, nutritional regime for people that want to get in shape uh, is candy bars, right? So that, that kind of nonsense. What do you eat? Um, and okay, first off, um, you're working out with X3, uh, incredible results, um, you know, GH production at very high levels, you know, what fantastic science behind it. Does it matter what you eat to achieve that? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, basically, if you want to grow muscle, protein is what counts and high quality protein. Low quality protein like pea protein or alfalfa protein, uh, it, it only has a like a one or a, like a one digit utilization factor. So your body can only metabolize, let's say, eight percent of that type of protein because it's got all the wrong balance of uh, amino acids uh -huh. for muscle protein synthesis. So you just secrete it to the, in the form of nitrogen. You just so, lose it. Okay. So what, what do you eat? What does your nutrition program look like? Very animal protein heavy. Uh, I had a couple pounds of steak. Wait, one, one, two. Almost, almost three and a half pounds of steak yesterday. <laughs> That's and ground beef. A little bit earlier, and then and then uh, some fillets later. Okay, so so it's mostly chicken. After my workout, uh, chicken's not my favorite, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a new curry place down the street, so I want to try it. Uh, and um, and my girlfriend's giggling. <laughs> the uh, so uh, had a little bit of the curry chicken, and then. Um, and then tonight, another couple pounds of steak. So, um, so it's mostly a carnivore diet. Um, yeah. Right. So, um, and, and clearly, um, our friend uh, Dr. Sean Baker is is the you know face of the carnivore movement, right? Um, Sean and I are good friends. Uh, we talk about our workouts all the time. Uh, talk about our nutrition all the time. Talk about farming all the time. We both want to be. Big advocates of responsible farming that treats mm -hmm. animals in a better way. Uh, the also decentralizing the farming, you know, so it's not just like three big factory meat companies that control all the meat. Like, yeah. like you know, um, I have a friend who's in the meat distribution business, and uh, he has mentioned to me that he thinks this whole like meat shortage thing yeah. is like is kind of fake news and that they're holding back to drive the prices up. They're taking advantage. Totally possible. I don't know that that's true or not true, but 
It's a theory from a guy who's been in the industry a long time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as a distributor, he doesn't care because he's buying it for more and selling it for more. Right. So he's still getting the same margin. It's just that people, they're not going to quit eating it. So they just pay more for it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, but but the the amount of meat that uh, that we consume is you know just almost nothing uh, these days. It's it's absolutely at historical lows. The amount of meat, yeah. right? That the population and people are weaker and fatter than ever. There you go. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it was it was very interesting because I came at this through a very non non biased way. Uh, when I started, you know, when I was doing just osteo strong, uh, I, I really didn't pay attention to my nutrition. I mean, I didn't eat, you know, apple pie every day, but, uh, I was ketogenic, I guess. So I guess I did pay attention to my nutrition, but okay. I think basic ketogenic nutrition is, um, so easy. It's almost effortless. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have more protein and fat. And then uh, I, I love Dave Asprey's book because like in the very end, it's like still you should be eating a majority of vegetables. It's like <laughs> the whole book was telling me to do the opposite of that. Yet your conclusion is you should have like seven servings of vegetables a day. Uh, I, was totally, I was totally disappointed when I got to the end of that book. Um, and I think he just put that in there. Covering his ass. Yeah, to kind of keep from being beat up. But um, I, I almost have no vegetables. What about carbs? Very limited amount of carbohydrates. Very limited. Uh, and, then, and, and, of course, I try and have those in a window, like, right after the workout. So it okay. replenishes glycogen. Right. Uh, and even bodybuilders know that trick. Uh, so, so they got one trick right. They got one. Right. I'm sure they couldn't explain why it works, but yeah, some of them could. Uh, as long as there's a video that shows them how to do it. Uh, nothing written. Um, right. So, uh, so like, like basically, you know, maybe like a little bit of rice after a workout. Okay. Glycogen, and then the rest of it's just carnivore. That's that's powerful. So. Um, I wanted to actually ask you a question that I forgot to ask when we were talking about Menser and inventions. Um, what were your, so again, we've, we've established that free weights are a waste of time. The machines are even worse, but what were your, you know, what were your thoughts about um, Arthur Jones and Nautilus? Is that just as, just as much garbage as, uh, as everything else? No, Arthur was great. That's what I want to hear. He was so brilliant. Yeah. I've, I've read every word that that guy has written 20 times. Wow. Hoping that there's like something implied that like was like a message to me. Right. Like, like my, my admiration for Arthur Jones is almost on a spiritual level. Wow. Like that guy, well, he understood that the body has variable capacities to create force. Mm -hmm. We should train with variable resistance. He just didn't get the ratios right. You know, he would use X at the bottom and 1.2 X at the top. Whereas 
if he had seen my research, uh, the guy probably would have grown three feet taller because wow. it, it was like, oh, this is the actual documentation of maximum capability in the most powerful ranges of motion, you know, through the, the gymnastics research, the impact absorption research. So, and then, I mean, we probably would have worked together on this to, wow. to look at how, how we could really grab a hold of weak range to strong range and exhaust the whole muscle through one experience. And it, it, it was like, he was going in the direction that I went. I, I think his ultimate conclusion would have been X3. He just didn't live long enough. It's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, he, he pretty much taught Menser, like everything Menser yeah. was. was yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was his protege, yeah. That's right, that's right. Um, so one, one other question, and then I want to just um, move into just – something a little bit different uh, akin to the the first question I asked you because really want to understand a bit more about your psychology and I mean you know your success and and how you view that kind of thing but one one last question about you know physical fitness and um and how this all relates uh to getting in great shape and 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 being vibrant and healthy and strong um the you know the biggest uh you know the biggest domino i've heard you topple um is this whole idea about cardio so um everyone you talk to in fitness um cardio is an absolute must there are those that are going to say it's it's for heart health there are those that are going to say it's to lose body fat but there is almost no one saying you don't need to do cardio. You shouldn't do cardio. And then they even come up with, well, you shouldn't do steady, you know, steady state cardio burns fat. But um, if you do sprints, that'll really get your rip. I mean, it's all kinds of stories around why everyone should be doing cardio, but I've heard you just completely uh, topple that dogma. Tell us, tell us about cardio. Okay. Let me start with uh, the high intensity intervals. Okay. The high intensity intervals are effective for accelerated loss of body fat. Okay. Not because of what's going on with the cardiovascular system. It's because the faster you move, the more stabilization firing. And what do we get from stabilization firing? Growth hormone. Wow. Right? Look at the skull of a sprinter. It looks like it's lined up with a laser. The whole body is moving. You know, they're throwing their hand back. So their twist to the pelvis is more. So their foot strike can have a, a longer stride. Right. Whole body's moving. Yet the skull is absolutely still. Because they're not trying to conserve energy. They're trying to maximize energy expenditure to propel themselves as fast as possible. Whereas someone who is running distance not doing intervals, doing steady state cardio, you see their skull bobbing up and down because they're trying to minimize the amount of energy usage. So they don't need to stabilize the skull. They don't need to switch on more muscle. In fact, they're trying to switch on less muscle to use less energy. So if you look at the stance of a distance runner, they're kind of leaning forward. 
they're sort of perpetually falling and catching themselves with the next stride, which is short, very short strides. Right. Right. So the answer is growth hormone. It's stabilization firing. Wow. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the cardiovascular system. With, so I would say use X3 because you get the maximum amount of stabilization firing. When I do an overhead press and I'm holding, you know, like 150 pounds over my head with X3, well, what's my core doing? Well, my core is just vibrating, jackhammering. That's all stabilization firing. My growth hormone's going through the roof. So that's a sprint right there. Hmm. Same thing. Body doesn't know the difference. Doesn't know how far you went. Now, if you want to do it without strength training, jump rope. Every time you hit the ground, every stabilizer has to fire to keep you from tipping over like a bowling pin. Right. You, you ever seen guys who are like, like boxers or like the only way to get ripped is jump rope. And that's been around since the 1960s and people laugh at it. It's like, you're just, you're hopping like a millimeter off the ground. You're not doing anything. Right. Uh, it's the anything. What define anything? Like, Something very profound is happening in that tiny little movement. And it's an upregulation of growth hormone. So Amazing. and that's why the lipolysis is so aggressive. So, okay, we addressed the interval and sprint in sprint time type training now. Yes, people uh, social media has shown us, and this is true of very many subjects: nutrition, fitness, politics. People want to read and see the bullshit they already believe is true. That's why, you know, like, I mean, whether you like the president of the United States or not, I have a lot of, I live in the People's Republic of San Francisco. So, <laughs> you, you know, you know, people think here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not even like a, a guy who's radically on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. I pretty much think stupidity is universal. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I laugh at, at some people, especially my, uh, some of my friends who, you know, they'll find an article and I'll be like, Oh, you did some research to find this article. And they go, yeah, they're really proud of themselves. And I go like, what did you type? Trump is a jerk. Is, is that your, is that your scientific search term? <laughs> like you're an idiot. Like you're, you're not going to find anything worth reading if that's the way you're researching. But think of heavy people. There's a lot of heavy people that go to look for like a weight loss program, right. how to lose body fat while eating Twinkies. And, and this guy I was talking about earlier, a guy says, eat candy bars and you lose all the weight you want. That's mm -hmm. how he sells his programs. Jeez. The, that's, his, that's his audience. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't have a picture of all of his users. He doesn't even have that. But right. it is, you got to think like, Anybody with a brain knows it's not true. Or, or he's putting him in a caloric deficit, so they're actually losing muscle instead of body fat. Right. Which is what bodybuilders are really good at. Like, they, they get in great shape, and they're like, I got to cut, and then they go on a really aggressive calorie deficit, and they lose just as much muscle as they do body fat. Uh, so, so when somebody asks me, why don't I do cardio, I say, well – there's actually no such thing as cardio. Like, so it's not that I don't do it. I, I train my heart. 
Like I have better cardiovascular endurance than many distance runners. In fact, when I do like the whole battery of tests, like there was a test I did at some kind of multi-physician clinic that had all kinds of physical performance. It was in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, they had um, basically they were going to give you your physiological age. Okay. And you know I'm not a kid anymore, but uh, they told me I was physiologically 19 years old. Jesus. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool uh, because of my lung function, my cardiac function, my muscular strength function, uh, <coughs> blood work, C-reactive proteins, you have inflammation, yep. markers in the blood, whole battery of tests. And yeah, so it just determined that I was like as healthy as an athletic 19-year-old. Um, and the reason I, I bring that up is for the, the cardiac health. Strength training is cardiovascular training, but people are confused because the bigger a muscle becomes, mm -hmm. the more blood it draws, mm -hmm. which creates the illusion of poor endurance. So the ability to run 20 miles and the health of your heart are two unrelated subjects. Unbelievable. Right? I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you see a, you know, a, a 240 pound, uh running back in the nfl can that guy run 20 miles absolutely not you think he has good cardiovascular endurance absolutely he does so uh, he just can't run as far but it doesn't mean that doesn't speak to how much blood his heart can pump with efficiency so you know, there's a couple of studies i mean these are these are double-blind randomized controlled trials. Right. So really good studies looking at cardiac function in strength athletes and in endurance athletes. And the reason I say there's no such thing as cardio is cardio is really just really bad strength training that, that makes you weaker instead of stronger because it shoots cortisol up, and, one, and cortisol does two things. Protects body fat, so it keeps you fatter longer. Right. And sacrifices muscle mass. So when people do a lot of cardio and they lose weight, they're losing muscle. And uh, then, of course, the less muscle they have, the more impact is felt in the joints mm -hmm. as opposed to discharged. You got to think, your muscles are like shock absorbers for when you contact the ground or contact anything. But you're making those shock absorbers weaker and putting more force into the bone and the tendons and the ligaments. So joint damage, rapid loss of muscle, protection of body fat, if not gaining more body fat. Right. And it's the opposite of what everybody wants. Now, of course, if you want to be a marathon runner, there's only one way to do that. You go run marathons. Yeah. But don't be fooled into the idea that you're going to look – like an NFL running back by running marathons. Not gonna happen. It's you're, you're two, two opposite directions. So and completely, uh, yeah. completely unrelated then. Completely yeah. unrelated. So yeah. and, and, and if you ever see a running back who decides to go run marathons, his physique disappears. He just turns into a, you know, kind of a 
yep. uh, a really feeble looking guy. Yeah, well, you, you definitely hold, yeah. I, I mean, I, of course, fell into the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the myth that it was, it's a great way to lose body fat years ago and couldn't understand why you know, less muscle and more body fat from running, you know, seven miles a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so clearly, but you know, you, what you were talking about before is cognitive bias, right? You look for information that supports, right. Your, your preconceived notions. Um, and you know, it's almost like everything we're talking about here is the opposite of, um, of, of popular knowledge, right? It conve- yep. conventional wisdom, uh, is, there's not a lot of wisdom in conventional wisdom. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so amazing stuff. So, um, so outside of, uh, what you've, what you've accomplished so far and, and, and what you're doing now, I mean, clearly you're super passionate about it. You're super knowledgeable about, um, the benefits of X3 and osteo strong. You're living, you're, you know, you're actually living this truth, uh, and a great representative for the brand and for, and for the, um, and for the uh, inventions that you've created. Um, so where did, where does Dr. J. Quish go next? Right? Like what is, I mean, you're a guy that, that hangs out with, with Tony Robbins. Um, you know, you're very success oriented. Um, so what's next for you? Where do you, you know, are you working on any other inventions? You know, where do you see yourself, you know, going from here over the next five to 10 years? I've, um, well, I still have to be the guy who's driving the science of, of OsteoStrong and the science of X3. Mm-hmm. So I have some big tasks in front of me with, with my two current ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there's some products on the way, for sure. Really? That's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, and uh, some of them may be in places that people are really surprised. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, um, yeah. Ah, <laughs> I was yeah, it's, it's, um, I got to follow, well, I have 300 patents worldwide. Uh, over patents. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to get some patents nailed down and even, even like, the, the first step is just exploring that you can get a patent. Yes. You know, like there's a couple things I'd like to do. Uh, I made, uh, I say I, myself and my co-author, uh, Henry Alkire, is uh, coming out with a book in a couple months. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's already in final revisions. Uh, in that book, um, we lay out something really profound about time-restricted eating. And it's something that when we, we discovered it in clinical literature, but researchers didn't know what it meant. Really? So it was described as like, we don't know what this means, but we found this. And like, you know, I read it. I'm like, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, yeah, time-restricted eating. Uh, so I, I basically... I, right now what I'm doing is I'm eating in a four-hour window. Okay. Like a, kind of a late lunch and an early dinner. Okay. Um, 
but then I don't eat anything for 44 hours after that. It's like two day fasted period. And sometimes it'll even go like three days. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> so you're, you're 240 at, with, with, the, with the body fat that you have, and you're going 44 hours, sometimes even three days without fasting, fasting, yeah. holding yeah. that kind of muscle? You don't lose muscle when you fast. See, I love this. You just lose body fat. Because your growth hormone skyrockets. It's because it's, it's, it's the anti-catabolic. I mean, basically your body's saying, we're not able to get a meal right now, so the last thing we want to do is make this guy weaker because he's got to be able to catch the food. So let's, you know, go into body fat stores, right? So, you know, I mean, I just get leaner or stay lean by doing that. And then when I eat, uh, this, this is what the sort of big discovery is. Um, there is, and this is what some new products maybe focus around. Okay. Um, there is very strong evidence, incredibly strong evidence that after you don't eat for a significant period of time, mm -hmm. you know, 40 plus hours, you eat something and there is a massive anabolic effect way beyond growth factors we've measured so far. Wow. So by doing this, that's that, the, the, so my second year of X3, mm -hmm. I put on 15 pounds. My third year of X3, I put on 20 pounds. So I actually gained more this year than I did last year. Well, you look big. I mean, you look bigger. I've seen pictures of you, you know, so I mean, you definitely look like you put on more mass. No, you know. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. That's, yeah. that's really, so this is, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing about this. You, you, so you said you're coming out with a book or a paper? What, what was it? A book. It'll be a 300-page book with uh, over 250 scientific references. And when, when is it coming out? Three months. Three months. Is there a name? Have you named it yet? Is there a name for it? Oh, yeah. Weightlifting is a waste of time, and so is cardio. <laughs> Seriously, is that the name of it? That's yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, the foreword's written by Forrest Griffin. I have an endorsement from the Miami Heat. They don't, you know, they're not using weights. They're just using X3. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pros. Uh, I got an endorsement from Ben Greenfield, woman yeah. at, uh, uh, from a medical doctor at, uh, at NASA. And uh, she, actually, she's, she's at SpaceX at the moment. They're, they're doing sort of an internship program between the two. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the scientific community, they were – doctors in the scientific community were very leery about my claims of osteogenic loading because it steps on some toes in that field, right? Okay. But – uh, when it comes to strength and musculature, so the two greatest drivers of long life are being strong and being lean. Okay. Those are, you know, un unrefuted. 
Whereas, you know, like someone says, oh, eat vegetables or don't eat vegetables or eat meat or don't eat meat. There's all kinds of conflicting research, mostly because of Nabisco, because they know vegans don't actually eat vegetables. They eat like, right. you know, cookies and crackers and candy bars and shit. Yeah. Uh, right. We, we all know. Uh, <laughs> well, they even say, I mean, that's, a, that's what it says, right? It says vegan friendly. Yeah, on like every candy bar, it says vegan friendly. Yeah, whoever decided that should be okay. That guy should just get thrown thrown down a long flight of stairs. Uh, but but yeah, so um, where was I? We were lost my train of thought. Yeah, it was before that. Oh. Uh, yeah, just, just things, things covered in the book and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely going to rattle some cages, but like you said, I'm already the most hated guy in the fitness industry. So might as well push it further. Yeah. No, this, I mean, it's, it, it's really exciting. Um, I, I can't wait till that book comes out. Um, so just a, a couple more questions for you, uh, Dr. Jake Quish. Um, so, okay. Uh, you know, you said it right the first time. It's Jakewish. Jakewish. Uh, you changed it later on. Jakewish, <laughs> like Jake and Wish. Gotcha. Thank you, Jakewish. Yeah. So, so Dr. Jakewish, um, do you do you have like a a, a daily routine uh, that you follow that kind of keeps you? You know, you 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 hear a lot of people that are highly successful. Um, one of the things that they're really big on is having like. Uh, a daily routine uh, that they practice, uh, whether it's when they first wake up or at some point. Um, and clearly, you, one of your huge daily routines is using X three and and and, and training. But is there is there yeah, anything? Not an option. It's good though. So I'm not as routine based as I would like to be, because up until just a few months ago, I was flying two hundred thousand miles a year. Because you know, Osteo Strong is in is in eight is in eight different countries. So I'm flying, uh, you know, Australia, Iceland, United Kingdom, uh, Sweden, uh, all right, and and right before that, I was doing a lot of business in Finland and in Russia. Uh, I don't make anything in China anymore, but I used to years and years ago. Uh, so. Having a routine when you travel that much is like, it's just not happening. So I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit better about that now. Now, X3 had to fit in wherever it fit in. So that would kind of suck because I'd be there to support the local clinics. And I don't like working out first thing in the morning. It's just, it's just not, it's not my, not my thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not nearly as powerful as if I can get a little bit of caffeine in me and uh, start moving a little bit and be a little more coherent. Okay. Uh, so, I just, the way I am. So when do you usually train? What, t what time of the day do you usually train? Noon. And is it fasted training or have you eaten something? Always. Always fasting. No, you don't. You don't want anything in your stomach when you train because it's just less blood to go to the muscle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And um, what? So, 
what motivates you? Like what inspires you? There's a couple people that inspire me. Uh, the, uh, I have a pretty sweet girlfriend and, uh, you can probably hear her giggling. She's over there. Uh, yeah. So I, I admire her a lot because she's sweet. I am not sweet. So I try to be a little more like her sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe instead, instead of telling somebody that they could, you know, they should probably fall down a long flight of stairs. Maybe I'll just be like, yeah, you and I just disagree. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a lot I admire and people that have some quality. Well, Yeah, my, my Zoom background is a small child made out of ground beef. We changed that. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah, yeah. You see the eyes? It's terrible. Yeah, meat baby. I, I, I clearly did not have a serious phone call uh, <laughs> on Zoom before. Damn it! How do I fix this? It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Virtual background. Here we go. There mm, we go. All right. We're back. Uh, All right. Excellent. Yeah. So we, we were talking about uh, the type of people that inspire you, um, and uh, that's you've always been very. I mean, you, you're clearly super confident. Um, you're very passionate. You seem very driven. You seem driven. Very driven as well. Have you have you always been, you know, this driven uh, to 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 do the thing? I know you talk about, you know, um, not not having the fear of taking action, but going for it. You said mm -hmm. you grew up with a very successful father. Um, yeah. You know, what were the, some of the lessons that you took from him, and have you always been this driven? Uh, I think um, when you're excited about something. Like, there's just nothing better. Like, I can't help it. Mm -hmm. Like, now, I'm also very black and white. Like, either I'm very excited about something or I just don't care. Like, you know, somebody talks to me about uh, the economy. You know, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, geopolitics and, and, and economics. Mm -hmm. Though we won't cover that subject now, but I, it's like I'm into it. I pay attention to it. I try and understand as best I can. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, somebody could talk to me about, you know, buffalo migration or something. And I'm like, dude, you know, <laughs> I don't care. Like my eyes glaze over it. Yeah, I unless they're dying off or something like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on this. So uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, now, it's, yes, it's easy to be passionate. You know, it's easy to be driven when you're when you're excited about something. Yeah, yeah, and I just try to work on things I'm excited about. And so, what were you doing before? Um, 
you went, you know, you, you came up with the idea to help your mom and you did this research. What were you doing? Uh, I was doing software, uh, software sales, enterprise software sales. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, working for a sort of B2B solution, uh, customer relationship management type thing. Wow. Um, in, in, uh, both financial services space and in, um, entertainment space like some of my my earlier clients were kelly clarkson nsync what uh hall and oats really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was fun it was fun giving the customers a great experience uh so you know like hall and oats they they kind of made a comeback uh like well, I don't know what it was like 15 years ago, hmm. and um, we launched some digital products for them, which helped build relationships with their with their customers. And so I, I, we were instrumental in that comeback. Yeah. I, I love well, it. That's what I was doing. And I, I yeah, I mean, was I excited about that? Yeah, but not not like not like this. And um, what, what lessons did you take from your, your dad that you think have, um, you know, have helped you uh, achieve what you've achieved? Uh, <laughs> hundreds of things. Uh, it's really tough. He's a really interesting guy and he knows a lot. Uh, one of the things I got from him is he has no fear of public speaking. And everyone has, I think everyone's born with a fear of standing up in front of everybody and saying something because nobody wants to look like a dummy. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to look silly. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be the guy who people go, God, look at this, you know, this jerk. Um, my dad was just fearless when it came to that. And I'd go to conferences where he would speak mm -hmm. and there were just hundreds of people there hanging on his every word. And uh, I just admired him. And I decided that I was gonna be just like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was important to me, for sure. You, you clearly, you know, and I think that kind of ties into what you said about, um, you know, kind of not having that fear, take, you know, taking action, doing it anyway. You, you really do come across as, um, I think there's a, there's a book, uh, I forgot the name of the author, um, I forgot her name, but it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I don't know if you've heard of that book. My girlfriend has, do you know the author? No, I can yeah. Google it. No, no. That's how it's, yeah, it's, I, I've definitely seen the book. Yeah, well, you, you, ex yeah, that's, that's kind of how you come across. You're, you know, you just, you don't, I mean, it just doesn't matter to you. you Successful people don't. Like this, like Elon Musk gets criticized all the time. And he's constantly doing things that people said he could never do. Like, I really admire that guy for that. Not just for his electric car. Right. I mean... It's not my style. I wouldn't want one. Um, I drive a Lamborghini. It's way I've cool. seen. I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. But um, 
that guy just doesn't care. Steve Jobs just didn't care. Right. Uh, you know, like him or not, our president just doesn't care. He so doesn't care when somebody criticizes him for doing something, he'll do it four or five more times. <laughs> you know? And uh, I got a strange feeling he's a lot more popular than people think he is. Yeah, I, I, you think, know, I think the election's going to come around and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, everybody hates the president. And they're going to find out that really not a lot of people hate the president. About 10% of the really loud people do. But nobody else really does. Because, you know, he didn't get elected gentleman of the United States. He got elected president of the United States and leadership sucks. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not a fun job. So, you know, he's got to make tough decisions and. You know, when you make a policy decision of any kind, and this is true of any president, I felt sorry for Obama. Like, every, everything he would do, half the country would be like, oh, yeah, this guy, let's throw him out. Like, like what a thankless job. But, but anyway, my point is, you can't give a fuck. A power, powerful advice, man. Powerful yeah. advice. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dr. Jayquish, thank you so much for... Uh, you know, showing up here and, and kind Lawrence, of, this is great. no, man, I'm, I'm telling you just like, you know, you're very genuine guy, as successful as you are. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of awesome uh, getting some insight into your thoughts and, you know, kind of how, you know, how you think and, and, and what it is uh, that, that you've achieved so far and, you know, what, what it is you're going to achieve because I, you know, I'm, I, I'm very confident that some other big things are becoming, uh, from uh, from your endeavors, and I, I'm, uh, it excites me. So, um, where can cool. where can our listeners um, where can they find you? Where can they if they want to follow you and kind of well, if they're interested in the products, they can go to jakewishbiomedical.com. Okay, uh, that's J A Q U I S H, uh, uh, or or x3bar.com. Most people are looking for X3, uh, and then. Um, on social media, it's Dr. John Jaquish on on uh, on Facebook, and then Instagram, it's D R J A Q U I S H. Uh, and uh, I I give away a lot of sort of free health advice mm-hmm. on uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so follow me on either. Yeah, Hello. and you yeah. and you've got. You've got to relaunch that, uh, you know, that, uh, that show you were doing about, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's, I was so anti YouTube because I just look at the comments on YouTube and I just think like, who are the inmates who they (laughs) let have computers? Like these guys are just garbage human beings, but it's just, it's a, it's a combination between, the sort of jealousy-driven nature of the fitness industry. By the way, the medical industry has, like, no trolling whatsoever. It's hilarious. Like, sometimes a doctor will show up with a serious question, and then you answer that question with data, and they're like, thank you very much. I'm definitely going to re- recommend your solution to my patients. Like, that's, wow. like, the hardest conversation you have in medicine. Um, but fitness, you know, talking to the average bodybuilding fan, not really bodybuilding, a bodybuilding fan uh, is sort of like playing chess with a pigeon because what will happen is you'll win and then they'll knock over all the pieces, shit on the board, 
puff their chest out and act like they won the argument. Right. Even though they don't even understand the words being used in the argument. So, you know, you just can't, like most of these people are um, unsavable. Right. So I really didn't like YouTube because of that low level of intelligence that is, is just notorious there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and like I said, fitness is so jealousy driven, so ego driven, you know, who looks better than who, who has better abs than who, uh, which is also not science. Who cares? Um, you know, like, like that, that, that's ridiculous. Right. But anyway, yeah, it, it's, it's just got such a, such a nature like that, but, um, I'm doing it anyway. Got it. So, you got to do it. It's a great, it was, you know, I, it, it, you know, it was great. It was a great little show. I, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and when that book, when your book comes out that, I mean, that's perfect. I mean, that's perfect segue. Um, yeah. To, you know, for that show. Uh, and I got to tell you one last thing. I'll say this, um, you know, without you're the best spokesman for X3 um, that there could be, uh, you know, Part of part of this conversation is, you know, convinced me. I mean, I'm I'm buying the X3, right? I'm buying as soon, you know, this weekend after speaking. Awesome. With, yeah, after speaking with you, and honestly, I did, uh, you know, I did a fair bit of research on you in order to have this conversation. And in just seeing everything you've described, I mean, you don't even you don't have to sell the X3. You don't have to promote it. You don't have to, like you said, if you're intelligent then how, you know, how could you be training any other way going forward? Yeah. All people have to do is listen or read. Yeah. And it, it's like, if it, like even, even sort of the, the sideways hat bodybuilder guy, bodybuilder fan, if I, cause like, like, uh, this is a lot of the guys like that, that are kind of higher level trained guys that hang out at Chris Bell's gym. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bell, yep. Yeah. Chris Bell's gym, super training in Sacramento. Yep. And like, sometimes they'll be like, yeah, you know, I see your ads, like your product just seems really stupid to me. And I'm like, well, tell me why. Mm -hmm. And they really don't have a reason. They're just like, well, you need weights. And I'm like, prove it. Show me the study on that, that you need weights. You don't need weights. Your central nervous system doesn't know weight, but what it does know is capacity and range of motion, which weights completely do not address. In fact, go against. And so they're like, okay, I'm listening. And then after I explain it, they're like, where do I get one? <laughs> right. Like every time, where do I get one? Right. That's brilliant. That's great. Well, I'm yep. going to look forward to getting it, look forward to using it. And I hope when the uh, book comes out, uh, you'll come on the show again. I will, I will do it, definitely. This is oh. a great show. You had great questions. I loved them. Thank you so much, Doctor. Awesome. Awesome speaking to you. Lawrence, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.